Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through, and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's It's the the Arner Adventures Adventures Podcast. Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Shannon. And I'm Jerry. Betty White, our golden girl, is hanging here with us. And we're back for episode 35 of the Arner Adventures podcast. Today, we have a Spark in Our Lives episode with someone who is special to the podcast because he helped us launch it and has been such a positive impact on us. But before we get to him, let's get to our review of the week. Today's review comes from Summer Smalls. Summer says, As an animal advocate, I love what the Arners, including Betty White, stand for. Their blog and podcast are both interesting because they have heart as their foundation. Their guests do too, and that's what makes us a great podcast. That is... Do they just get better and better? I mean, <laughs> these reviews. Thank you so much, Summer. That means just the world to us. That is so nice. Your reviews help to keep us inspired, obviously. I mean, that one is so inspirational yeah. and motivating. Mm-hmm. And each review helps others find out about us and to keep this thing moving forward. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button in the platform you're on. So you'll be sure to be notified each time we have an episode drop. Well, speaking of inspiring, let's tell you about our guest today. He is someone who is very special to us because he is not only a podcast host, he's an award-winning podcast host, but he is also the very first podcast that we were guests on. So that makes him also very special to us. He is one of the most positive people we know. He's funny naturally and by trade. He is a bit of a mentor for us also when it comes to the podcast world. He is just all around, has wonderful stories. We can't wait to share them with you. His name is Flobo Boyce, and we can't wait to get him introduced. Yeah. Should we go ahead and get to the episode? I think we should. Let's do it. Well, guys, we are so excited about today's guest. It's special for so so many reasons. Our guest today, we told you a little bit about him, but his name is Flobo Boyce. Hey. He is he is a comedian, a host, an esports shoutcaster, an author, currently residing in Los Angeles, California. So there's a time difference. And we thank you for your time today. He is a native of Brooklyn, New York. Flobo paid homage to his hometown when he co founded the live entertainment network, New Amsterdam Entertainment. Yeah. His comedy specials, Cookies and Beer, and American for Now were released to critical acclaim. Let me tell you something. Both are hilarious. I listened to both of them and they are hilarious. <laughs> oh, I highly you. encourage you to listen. 
He is a firm believer that everything he has learned in life, he learned from professional wrestling, which I think many people in my family would agree with. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited that you're here. I know that Jerry and I, we've talked about it forever. And so this is long overdue. Thank you so much for being here. You've already got me blushing. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. Check out the comedy albums. That means a lot to me. Album three coming soon. Oh, that's even better. That's even better. Well, you know, uh, cookies and beer. I mean, that's all I need. I got a good <laughs> laugh out of that title. Right. I mean, it's a perfect there's a thing. Whole, there's a whole thing around that. That's a perfect combination. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're intimidated, a little intimidated because you are an award-winning podcaster. And <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm pointing to them for those in the audio version. I'm pointing to my awards here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And then there's a wrestling that, belt. It's a wrestling there. belt. Isn't yeah, it? that's wow. actually the WWE United Kingdom Championship. It's a coat of arms of England with the WWE logo in the middle oh. of it, so it looks super regal, super official. And I have oh, a wrestling yeah. podcast. So I put it on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're newbies, and I've told you this, but I'll just tell. I know that we've actually brought him up before on an episode about how you helped us in podcasting, but we were, I think the very first podcast we were on was the new Amsterdam podcast. It was. So this has come full circle. We're so excited. And when we were starting this podcast, you know, we had no idea what we were doing. I think sometimes we still don't know what we're doing, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you were so generous in giving me your time. I remember DMing you and just saying, Oh my God, what am I going to do? You're in LA. I'll, you know, buy you dinner, whatever I need to do. And you took time to help me out. And I'm getting to a point here. (laughs) One of the most significant pieces of advice that you gave me that sticks in my head constantly is not only did you give me a lot of tips, StreamYard being one of the things that we use was that you said, look, if there are processes and systems in place that you use that you're comfortable with, just keep using them. If you can use them for what you you use, like for editing or whatever it is now, keep using them. You can change it later, but just Mm -hmm. get the content out there. And I bring you up in so many things in our household (laughs) for, it could be like cooking dinner and it's like, should we change it up and do this? I'm like, well, you know what Flobo says? <laughs> That's cool. If we're doing it this way and we're comfortable with it and it's just, let's just get dinner done. If we've used it this way and this is what we've done, let's just get the content done and keep moving forward. We can change it up later. Yeah. So yeah. Don't make it complicated. So my, I guess that's a statement, but I just wanted to say you come up in our household a whole lot. Well, first of all, thank you very much. That means a lot to me. Because I thought when you said that, I was like, well, what did I do wrong this time? But no, that's that's way more positive. And I think a lot of individuals, when I started doing podcasting the first time, so this is like 2017 or 16, I had a show called 26 Stone because I used to weigh a lot of weight and I used to weigh 26.9 stone, which is about 375 pounds. So it was like a weight loss podcast. There were so many gatekeepers. There were so many like, oh man, I wish I could tell you, but it's difficult. And I said, you know, that made it so hard that it was a job just to learn how to do things. So if anyone ever asked me how to do it, I try to keep it as simple as possible. It can be complicated, but there is a way to make it that works for you. And why not do that? So thank you. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's sort of like there's a saying about that, that when you have a big task to do it, I don't know, one step at a time or Mm -hmm. how do you eat? 
I don't know. I'm going to kill it. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's not one step at a time. How do you do something about it with an elephant? You do it one something at a time. Oh gosh, I don't know. I okay. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> or have you, yeah. Uh-huh. So have you always sort of been like that? Have you always been, you know, just sort of let's easy breezy floating along. It'll all get taken care of. I'm just, you know, just make it as simple as possible. Or did you learn to be that way? I definitely learned. My parents, especially my dad, he's super logical. You know, like when I told my dad, I'm going to go to LA to be a filmmaker. He goes, well, how are you going to make a living? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, it was, There was a kind of like a free spirit about him. He was always super logical. And I got to a point in my life where I realized no one's really going to tell you things for free right? That's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a book. Everyone has a app. Everyone has a process. And so you're going to have to take time to research and basically pay yourself to be a researcher, to find things out, to see what works and what doesn't. And so many times we think of the steps of what needs to be done. And we go, ah, what's the use? Something could be small, like getting a passport. I have to do what? Get a photograph and do a form? Ah, what's the use? <laughs> so the idea is that, look, everyone has like an energy gauge, you know, an, an E to F, you know, a full, and we get down to E and we're exhausted. Just train yourself to be at half tech to go, I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to read one more book. I'm going to check out one more article. I'm going to do one more step. I'm going to send one more email. And then that becomes something you can train and get better on as time goes by. And so people look back at you and go, oh, Flopita, you do everything. But I can tell you, I am tired all the time. <laughs> I sleep. <laughs> I nap. <laughs> you know, I, There's days where I go, ah, to heck with this. I'll do it tomorrow. But that allows you to do it because you're used to what rest was. You're used to not doing anything. And so the days when you do put extra effort on or learn new process, then it feels like you're just, you know, having a leg up. Right. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, you brought up a question that we were wondering, we were actually talking about before the podcast, that we're asking each other, like, I don't know, we need to ask him that. Yeah. How did you get from New York to LA? Like you talked oh, about yeah. being a filmmaker, but what was that process? Yeah. So my first 18 years of my life, my family still lives in Brooklyn. Let's go Mets. And I went to college in Florida first. So in the days of quizzes, there was a website. I I don't think it's even around anymore, but I put what I want into a school and Flagler College, my alma mater, the first one, came up first. It's in St. Augustine, Florida. It's in the no man's Mm -hmm. land between Jacksonville and Daytona. And my parents are West Indian, the Caribbean. So I'm first generation American. And I had this thing about palm trees because there weren't any palm trees in Brooklyn. So I told my dad, my family, actually, the first time going down the South uh, to learn how to be a media person, a broadcast person, a communication person. And they were like, cool, because I needed to leave town. My brother went to Connecticut to college. He was back every week. I wanted to do the whole thing, my whole experience. And I did the school straight. I graduated in 2007. They told me at the time that the economy is not going to be good for the next year or two. (laughs) If you could take shelter, go ahead. And so I decided to go right into grad school. So I had a television broadcast or a communication broadcast bachelor's degree. I said, let me parlay that into filmmaking. And I got into Chapman University here in Orange County. And so I went straight from undergrad to grad. So I went from Brooklyn to San Augustine, Florida, to Tustin, California, which is in Orange County, California. And then I've just been out here ever since. In fact, August 4th, 2007 was the day I came. So basically 15 years this weekend, I got to California. I haven't moved since. Wow. Now, not knowing a whole lot, I mean, about, you know, Californians, but I do know that I think that's pretty rare, right? Not a lot of people stick around for a while in LA. Don't they kind of go to try to quote unquote, make it. And then they leave or they, you know, 
float somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. Look, if I'm being too deep, please stop me. So the thing is, I always tell people don't want to come to California. Well, now it's kind of weird because everything's so politically charged, right? I heard on this new channel about California, but that aside, <laughs> always bring about six months of income. And I would say between 10 and 20,000 just to keep yourself in the game. That's how much money you need to get to an apartment. It's not cheap out here. Jobs are sparse, even before the pandemic. And do, people do leave. It is the sales tax, the, the rate, the incomes are not, you know I mean? It's a very expensive town. But for me and my 15 years of how many times I had to pivot. So I came to California to be a film editor. So movies, I wanted to cut movies. I graduated and I didn't get solid work for about two years. Then I got a job working at American Idol, season 12 and 13 on Fox as a post-show editor. So television editing, which isn't nearly as glamorous because you got to turn things around quickly. No one sees your credits anywhere. I did that for a bit. Then I was in a content writing, meaning when you're on Hulu or YouTube and there's like a description of what you're watching, I used to write those. Then it came many years where I had to go back to work. I delivered groceries. I sold hand sanitizer door to door. I went back to Target uh, just to make ends meet. I didn't want to go home. Because I did go home, even though New York City is a big city, because I'm from there, it was like yeah. going back to the farm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I couldn't leave, and I, I was trying to make everything work. And I really caught a break when, if you can imagine that. I mentioned this in my book, too. When I had a cushy job working at a company, and I'll say their name because I didn't like my experience there. Loan Depot. <laughs> they let me go on Thanksgiving Day, 2017. Actually, they let me go by accident. They called me up on Thanksgiving Day. 2017 and go, hey, we're accounts payable. We're trying to see where we can send your 401k disbursement. And I go, why are you disbursing 401k? Oops. Oh <laughs> and, and so corporate America said they went to a different direction. I was a talent social media marketer. Basically, my job was at the time was to make the company, Loan Depot, attractive for you to apply. So I worked in the human resources. They let me loose. And on Thanksgiving Day, so end of November, no one hires in December. I sat in my hotel room because I went to Vegas that week thinking, I have a cushy job. This is great. Right. And what's next for me? And I had a single DJ deck in my closet. And hmm. that weekend, I converted my website into a wedding DJ website, oh, November wow. 2017, just because it was engagement season. That was the only thing that was staffing up that time period. So How I fell into that, though. Uh, like pretty cool. It was hunting because I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to go home to New York. I didn't see myself as a full-time DJ. But from 2017 till now, that's my main income generator. I mean, my main revenue generator. I am DJ Flopito, flopito.com in SoCal because I had a cushy day job where I could DJ for fun on weekends. And they said, sorry, day job. You got to make ends meet. And we just yeah. said how expensive California was. And so I've been off to the races ever since. So to answer your question, yeah, it's been cool that I haven't been gone back, but I don't edit feature films. I'm a podcaster. I'm a comedian. I'm a shoutcaster. Yeah. I'm an author. I do all these other things just to make myself stick in the game. It's hot here, Jer. Oh, it's hot. All right. You got to stay hydrated. We've been traveling so much too, but it's easy to stay hydrated even when you're on the go and you don't have gallons of water by your side. It sure is with the help of liquid IV. Yep. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier. It's a powder in a packet. You just throw a few of them in your bag and take them with you wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and it's an electrolyte mix that you just add to your water. It delivers two to two and a half times more hydration than water alone. They have these really yummy flavors. Our summer go-tos right now are the strawberry and the pina colada. You know what I do sometimes is I throw a couple of packets of the pina colada, some ice and water in the blender, make myself a mocktail, hang out by the baby pool in the backyard. Oh, man. 
I am good to go and hydrated. That's a good afternoon, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Getting creative. You're someone who either has trouble getting your water in or just wants to get in the express lane with your hydration. You should definitely try Liquid IV. For our listeners, if you go to their website, liquid-iv.com, and use code ARNERADVENTURES, you can save 25% off of your order and get free shipping. We'll link it to you in the show notes, too. Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. So do you have all of those things? I know that you're referred to as an urban polymath. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Writer, video editor, marathon runner, stand-up comedian wedding efficient, which I didn't even know that. All of you want to renew your vows, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> the DJ, which I did know that. But are all of those things under New Amsterdam Entertainment? So this is the craziest thing. For the longest time, they weren't. They were just things I did. I was a guy in the back of the truck like, hey, you want this? You want this? You want this? One of the cool and lame things, and this is why I even asked you when you were on New Amsterdam radio, was how did the the pandemic affect you? And I think I had Uh an analogy on the show that it felt like being at a motor race and there was a safety car. And some people gained places, people lost places. During that time, because all of my work involved crowds (laughs) and crowds were not a thing, it was really tough. And so I took the time to really incorporate, but like make the DBA with everything. Because once I had a legitimate business, and the business was legitimate, I paid taxes, I had a business yes. license, was to, to qualify for small business help as an individual creator, as individual entertainment. So the entertainment was made in 2020 officially, even though the podcast has been around years before, to cover when I work and I get booked uh-huh. to be a speaker, to cover when I'm DJing events, to cover when I'm doing everything in between my books and all uh-huh. that stuff. So the revenue comes in, I divvy out the verticals, what they call it in corporate America, the verticals uh-huh. what's needed, and then I just process my stuff that way. So yes. Right. So, okay, that's a brilliant segue because I want to, I know you brought this up. It was either during our podcast or it might've been, we were talking, but I know that you talked about how pre-COVID you were doing stand-up and you're a successful comedian and you had these (laughs) stand-up gigs and, you know, I picture it that you're just like, because we've only been to LA once, so we only have this one picture of it, but we're just like, okay, we're going like gig to gig to gig. I'm going to go on these stand-up plays. Everything's great. And then bam, you know, everything closes down. And then are you just like, okay, now I'm going to start doing more of the podcast or like, what was that pivot like? And you seem like you, and I know we talked about how innovative you are, but you just seem like you're just like, all right, I'm going to make it work. And I want to go back home or whatever. But (laughs) what was that like at that time? And that whole pivot, like, tell me the Flobo way of how that Sure. (laughs) Well, to to get a little bit of context, and I had been doing comedy since 2014. I had a long story. I had this experience. I thought I was going to die one time. And I said, if I survived it, I'll take comedy. So I've been doing comedy oh. for 2014, which is, that's the story to get into if you like. But yeah, I was already doing- for you to get into that story. Before. Oh, sure. Let's do it real quick. So I used to weigh a lot. I used to weigh 375 pounds, as I mentioned yeah. before. And I lost a bunch of weight, but I had excess skin. And I still do in parts of my body, like my love mm-hmm. handles. I, I, I call them my chesticles. I still have <laughs> I still have some, <laughs> some of that up there. But I got the skin and my abs removed because I had so much that when I ran, it was like pulling me down. 
basically sure. anyone who's been well endowed could understand that side of things. Yeah. But I had complications after my surgery, my amnioplasty, where my suture line had reopened and I started to bleed out on my couch. And I was trying to pack in this four inch long, two inch wide wound on the side of my body. And I thought I was going to like, you know, my mom was there, but she was a nurse, but she had been retired for like 10 years. So she didn't know yeah. what to do. And if you ever had internal sutures, you can't get them recut. You either have to like get them patched in like an open wound, or you just have to like deal with it because the wound is no longer sterile. So we call a doctor, doctor like, can't help yeah. you. Mm -hmm. You have to go to the emergency room. I didn't want to move because the wound was so large that, and my mom was not familiar with LA, couldn't call the cops. It was a big thing. Anyway, I survived that night and I woke up with a giant, it was like a, the most disgusting TMI gel I've ever seen on the yeah. side of my body. And I started like doing wet compress to get it back together. But when I thought I was going to pass, I was oddly okay with it. I was like, hey, you know what? I had a good run. <laughs> I had two regrets. One, I never learned to ride a motorcycle. And two, I never tried stand up comedy. And if I survive, I'll try those things. And I did. I both wow. <laughs> so the, my first time doing comedy was like six months later or eight months later, August 10th, yeah, 2014, because I survived. And that's where a lot of the thing, that's where the source comes from. There's a saying by Ian Fleming that says you only live twice, once when you're born and once when you stare death in the face. And that time was oh, I was 29 huh. years old. And I was like, I was doing it. <laughs> so I've been doing comedy for so long, but I had grown not tired of it, but frustrated. I felt like with seven years in the game, I should be at this point, wherever that point is. My friends were getting signed to do, Netflix had smaller specials called the stand-ups where they'll pay you 30000 or 40000 for a 15-minute set. And I go, I want some of that. like Because you know I have a habit, most creatives do, of applying their net worth with their self-worth. And I thought I wasn't <laughs> making money, therefore I suck, right? <laughs> so, so 2020, I was like, that's it. I'm going on tour. I'm going to go out of LA. I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to go to Alaska. I'm gonna do all these things, and that's when everything shut down. Yeah, and I go, well, well, well now what? You know, and I tried the Zoom comedy shows. Some people do them. I can't. I need to know if my jokes work or don't. I need to. Yeah. I need to be booed. I need to be cheered. I don't need people turning off their cameras or or what you call the Zoom clap, which is the most stupidest thing. It's yeah. when they, they mute and unmute, so the thing blinks. Oh. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to talk about like emojis, but you're actually talking about like a oh like, my. The, the mute symbol is like a red microphone with a line through it, so people will like unmute, mute, unmute, and have no. that blink to show that they they're giving the Zoom applause, which is the most. I, I'm like headlining my living room it's depressing <laughs> but to answer that question yes i said well i'm doing these podcasts i had a wrestling show i had a star trek show i had a netflix show how can i impart levity there are into everything i do there's a bunch of wrestling content out there everyone's critical let me be the fun stupid guy i'm a star trek nerd but i'm a new star trek nerd i got into it for two three years or a year but when i started doing it i'm a new fan let me get experts on my show and ask dumb questions like hey why does the klingons do this yo and like be that silly person because that's the way i can offer new content that's the way i can try material that's where i can get live feedback in a chat room that to me felt like i was more alive when we were all shut down in the pandemic wow huh. that's interesting yeah, it is Really? Oh my God, you're blowing them. Like, I'm just here. <laughs> I think that I was sitting here thinking of how we always hear people say, yeah, you know, there's so many things that I want to do. And oh yeah, you shouldn't postpone your dreams or whatever. People say a bunch of stuff, yeah. but mm -hmm. to hear that you faced it and you were like, okay, if I survive, I'll do it. And then you're not sitting here saying, and so, you know, I'm still one day going to do it. Like, 
You did it. You're yeah. like, no, no, no. I'm going to go there, ahead and do there's it. There's a list of things that everyone wants to do, and myself included. And I do have to do bucket lists for my life and ones every year. And it's my responsibility to chip away at that. Can't do yeah. everything at once. I mean, you don't have all the money in the world. But yeah. if I have a choice to for to learn how to tie a bow tie, if I wanted to drive that motorcycle class, you should, you should give yourself a shot. And yeah. the story I got when I was a kid, my mom, when she left the island in 1972, she did her nursing. I laughed because it was called midwifery. She did her midwifery in Scotland, yeah. which is cool because my dad's side is Scottish. You go far back long enough. And my mom had some money in August and bought her mom a hat for church for Christmas. And she goes, here you go. I got a hat for Christmas because I had the money. Don't open it until Christmas. And of course, her mom was like, nah, I'm wearing that hat. And she wore it in August, but she ended up passing away that November. So she wouldn't have even made it to Christmas oh, if she had waited. So I heard nice. that as a kid and I go, yeah, you don't know. You get hit by a bus. And, you know, with COVID, that really was a daily occurrence. There was yeah. COVID yeah. watches and friends were getting it. And you're like, well, if I yeah. get out of this, what am I going to do when I have a chance? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite of all of the things that you have? Like, I know you said what brings you in money and, mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, all of those things. But what's your favorite? Like, what sparks you up? Ah, it's so hard. <laughs> My favorite child. <laughs> Everything serves a purpose. I know that's a cop-out answer, and I, and I apologize. But like, New Amsterdam Radio allows me to chat with real people. And we joke and we have feelings, but it really was hard for a lot of creatives to see how they can get it. So on a mental health level, on a journalistic level, I feel more alive there. Video games, esports, because I'm a big wrestling fan, bringing that wrestling drama into, you know, pixels and 8-bits and teenagers playing. Kids half my age are getting paid to be professional video game players, where when I was a kid, we got an hour with the NES if we were good. Like, that's kind of fun. I feel young with those guys. And yeah. mm -hmm. with the wrestling, now with the wrestling podcast, I'm being seen as a legitimate pundit outside yeah. of my room, and I'm being asked to come to things. So... That yeah. Each one of those things brings me joy. And if they don't, you can always sunset things. You could say, you know what? I had a good run. I had a late night talk show, for example, and I was supposed to be like my Jimmy Fallon, my Stephen Colbert. I did it for 70 weeks. And I said, okay, it's a good run. I'm willing to sunset that. What's up, Flobo yeah. After Hours is now on YouTube and posterity, but I'm not doing that. But that's not a fun answer. So the fun answer is I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say New Amsterdam Radio. Okay. That's the one that, that was established before the pandemic. I've been doing that for 2018. I've met so many cool people, yourselves included. And it's still someone hits me up out of like a country I don't think we even get. Like someone hit me up out of Omen the other day and was like, oh, I love your radio show. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, where, is, you know? where is that? The Middle East. Like Oman and Yemen and Kuwait. Oh, that area. oh okay. Okay. It was like, hey, thanks for the show. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always say we're nowhere where you are, but I always yeah, no, we're not. But <laughs> even like with you yourself, like whenever someone even says yes to being on the podcast, we're like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, I do that. Yeah. Booking booking shows are always worst. And that is something that it never gets easier because you're dealing with that's the human element. It's gonna be always gonna be a friction point. Oh, I'll do your show, but Thursdays I get an elbow massage, and you're like, oh, you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> someone goes, I can do it. You're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. So listen, we're probably not the first to introduce you to the topic of CBD or CBD oil. If you're anything like us, 
it seems like every time you turn around, you're seeing a neon sign for CBD sold here at your local grocery store in a window as you're driving by, or it flashes across your screen in an online ad. Shannon's sister told us about the benefits she was having from a brand she was using, and then we started paying attention to that brand. Spoiler alert, that brand is Danodan. Full transparency, we get about two to three CBD brands reaching out to us every week. And it wasn't until we started digging into the research that we learned that CBD isn't always CBD. They're just not all the same. Danadan Hemp Works makes organic hemp flower infusions. They're more than just CBD. Danadan's range of hemp products dissolve easily into any liquid and support your routine by helping you manage daily stress, promote healthy sleep, provide caffeine-free energy, and recover from activity-related stiffness and soreness. They also have CBD hemp flower infusion specifically designed for pets, and Betty White uses it every day. She loves it. We put it on our food. And with Danodan, you'll enjoy all the benefits of legal hemp, not just one or two compounds isolated in a lab. Get 20% off right now with the code ADVENTURE at danodan.com. We'll link it for you in the show notes. That's 20% off right now with the code ADVENTURE at danodan.com. Danodan, more than just CBD. I know that Jerry was really intrigued with the... Jerry's a big, like, comedian. The comedy end of it, yeah. I thought, that's really neat that you do a lot of comedy. So, yeah, we talked a lot about that. Yeah. That's got to be a different kind of thrill than... And the new ends. That's more of a immediate reaction from people. And oh yeah, there is the surface level of I am telling jokes. Hope you laugh. But I'm also a baseball guy. To me, it's like being a pitcher on the mound. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. you have bits that work. You know that work, but you can't fall in love with that fastball down the middle because it'll, sometimes it won't hit. And it's your job to make the audience chase to put them in things they weren't thinking of, but a way that makes them feel like they're validated. They understand and then they laugh with it. Sometimes you can go off the rails and miss completely. Sometimes you're booed off, off yeah. that mound. Sometimes you're cheered and doing curtain calls. And that is what I like. That's why I didn't like Zoom calls as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. My family looked at because they're all like they're all scientifically minded. I mean, my mom's a nurse, my dad's an electrical engineer, my brother's a computer engineer, and now he's a welder. And I was like, I'm making movies. <laughs> and they're kind of like, oh, <laughs> everyone understands comedy. Everyone understands the person on the microphone telling either a story or things they've noticed in a way that makes you go, Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the history with a lot of the Los Angeles comedy clubs, is that a little intimidating? The the comedy store and all those places like you're thinking, wow, you know, Lenny Bruce stood right there and here I am. And can that be intimidating or inspiring or? So I'll tell you a story. This is also also in the book, Graduation Day, available now on Amazon. I took a comedy class the first time. So remember Mm -hmm. I said I want to do comedy if I survive it? That's how I started. Some people always say, how do you get started? Had a group on with Adam Barnhart and I owe him the world because Adam Barnhart taught me not to tell jokes, but to tell perspectives. Anyway, my graduation of his class was three minutes at the comedy store. So my first time doing stand-up, wow. I'm at the comedy, <laughs> I'm at the oh. comedy store. What? Uh, wow. I am nervous isn't described. <laughs> yeah. No. Someone messaged me on Facebook. I thought it was a DM. And I said, oh, I'm going to the comedy store on Sunday. Turns out it was a wall posting. Kids, wall postings are when <laughs> you go on someone's public profile. <laughs> And so 17 from my friends show up to my first time doing stand-up. 
and it's three minutes at the comedy store. I can I give you the link. I wasn't nervous, but I was pacing back and forth. Everyone thought I was nervous. I'm at hollow ground with the, the name signed on the walls. And I go, yeah. I better not mess this up. And I don't, I'm not comparing myself to him. But 24 hours after the first one did a comedy, Robin Williams had passed away. And I oh said my to God. myself, comedy in life is so delicate. But for that time, and I was so nervous, I felt so alive doing it. I kind of wonder how he would have felt if I was in that time period, in the 70s, in the heyday, you know, going and drinking after shows. Like, so that was a good bit, huh? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I had a little bit of that. I flew close to the sun the first time. And it was like, this, I got to do ah. it. I, I knew that time it was something I wanted to do when they called my name and everyone cheered as I walked down ah. the aisle. Wow. Ah. What a story. That is a good story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that. Yeah, three minutes you'll never. No. Never. Wow. It sounds well, like a short time, but the first time doing comedy forever. Like I saw two years ago. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is it one of those times that you can't? I mean, can you even remember? Like, can you remember the things you were even saying? I remember because I took when I first did a comedy. I did a very reciting thing. Okay. I wanted to recite jokes. I understand my first bit. I can still tell those today. But as I got more mature into it, I wanted to see more of the crowd reaction. Okay. And so mm -hmm. I'll actually show you the video. I paced back and forth because I was emulating what comedians did yeah. on the yeah. stage. But huh. the stage in the belly room, which is the smallest room they have at the comedy uh -huh. store, is like three feet. So it looks like I'm just like nervously pacing back. Yeah. And forth. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everything was, was like studied because I wanted to be the comic. Yeah. And it was just like not the way to do it. But yeah. Who's your favorite Again, I'm asking your favorite. Like, you're probably like, what mm -hmm. the hell? But who is your favorite stand-up comedian of all time? So this is a complex question because a lot of comedians boo me when I say this. But if you want to talk about the single greatest influence into my career, it was Leno. Every night, Leno mm. gave you six minutes of comedy. And people say, oh, that's the equivalent of the Michelin chef opening up the burger joint. But you think my parents were working class and they don't really smile a lot. <laughs> they had work in the morning. But to see... My dad crack up and crack open a late night beer. You know what I mean? Watching Leno doing headlines to me was something that always stuck with me. I've grown to love Trevor Noah even before he came to the United States. And Chris Rock was always an event when he dropped an album on a special, back when specials were special kids, where there's only uh -huh. six specials a year on HBO. Those were kind of the big ones as well. But I got to give up to Leno. And I saw him live and it felt like, I felt like I came full circle. To what yeah. I wanted. Wow. I saw Leno live one time too. In at Raleigh, a comedy match. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Long he time ago. Think about Leno. Talk about work ethic and hustle. He never spent a dime of his Tonight Show money. He banked all of that and still toured 200 days a year. This is oh, why really? his car yeah. collection is so huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I always really appreciated his humor, too. And in a lot of ways, he was more like an old style comedian. Mm -hmm. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, I think in the last, you know, people, the way humor evolved, people like that edgy side of Letterman or or some of those others, whereas okay. Leno was like a comedian straight out of the early days of television. I'm like, Absolutely. You know, joke, the, the setup, the punchline kind of thing. But I always really appreciate him from when I was a little kid. I'm old enough to know when he used to substitute for Johnny Carson. Yeah. And I always thought it was great. I used to stay out. My parents would go to bed. And that's that was my whole day. I looked forward to that in the summer. And, and I just think, oh, yeah, he was I really got to like him then, too. Yeah, he was. It's funny how humor is changing and evolving. Like to me, the last great observational comic is Seinfeld. 
and Seinfeld. I went to, I went to Seinfeld live in, in Caesar's Palace and it's full disclosure I'm 37 years old I was the youngest person there by a long shot <laughs> because because uh -huh. because humor has shifted humor is now about self-identifying and being as relatable as possible. So this is why comics get on stage now and be like, I got divorced last week, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I'm yeah. from this background. Having that comedian, and even if you watched uh, Seinfeld's last special, 23 Hours to Kill, I think, he literally goes, okay, that's my jokes. Now I got to tell you more about my life. Because he knows that's where humor is going. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. right. It, it always evolves. It always changes. And that's something I'm grappling with now. How much of myself is that, me showing you my life versus me telling you how to live. You know what I mean? That's something. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Flip, I'll tell you what my dark horse comedian is. Cause, and it's interesting to talk to you as a comedian because yeah. I don't think I know I've ever met anybody that would signal this guy as their favorite comic, but he's always been mine. Richard Lewis. Do you know who, you know, Richard yeah. Lewis, right? And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was on Anything But Love with Jamie Lee Curtis many years ago. And of course, he's on. The Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. I have always loved his comedy. I just think it's so funny. And I love that New York style. People don't realize the writing contributions Lewis done for other comics. Because you, when you mm -hmm. have that kind of mindset and you're way off the you're way off the pale, you may not be the right vessel for your own material. When you start writing for others, everyone goes, Oh man, that's really provocative. It's like these Jews get a big brain in the background. Lewis ah. Uh-huh. Huh. That's yeah, neat. That's neat. Well, I want to make sure that we don't leave out the wrestling topic because, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I think anyone who follows you knows that you are a big wrestling fan. Yeah. So have you uh -huh. been into that your whole life or, you know, since you were a kid? I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Oh, yeah. Most wrestling fans get it at a young age. I know. <laughs> they start too young, you know. Uh, yeah. My dad, I tell the story a lot on my wrestling podcast. My dad came to the United States in the 1970s to New York. And back then he would say wrestling was real. Like, whatever, dad. Um, <laughs> uh, his favorite wrestler was Chief J. Strongbow, which can never happen today because Chief J. Strongbow was an Italian man. They pretended that was native. Uh huh. But he said... At those wrestling events, it was one of the two times he that in the Mets games, he felt like he was an American. Didn't matter if you're black, white, had an accent, didn't. You cheer for the good guys and you booed the bad guys. And so yeah. when I was a kid and we had superstars and wrestling challenge, and thankfully I'm from New York, so my local federation was the WWF at the time. So yeah. I, I got really ingrained into it. He felt like that was something he wanted to share because it, it didn't matter where he came from. So yeah, since I was six or seven, the legend goes, I taped over his 86 World Series tape with wrestling and he still won't forget <laughs> me for it. <laughs> Let's go Mets. But I did have a Billy Buckner, I tell you. No, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> my dad, my dad used to take, this is so weird, like now I think about it, but my dad used to take me and my brother when I was little, like to like in Raleigh, we have this arena and it's a smaller arena, but they would come, they do the little tours or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember it being just the highlight of like our childhood was going to these wrestling events. You probably saw Ric Flair. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Ric Flair. Yeah. Wahoo yeah, yeah. McDaniel. Um, <laughs> yeah. There were some other characters. But it was like, I remember my brother and I used to love, I'm dating myself here. I don't even know if you know who this is, but they're this little tag team duo, little, yeah. <laughs> this tag team duo, <laughs> Rock and Roll Express. And they're one of the legends of all time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have you okay. heard of them? Yeah. So we would, my brother and I would like just like dress up as them and pretend like we were them. It was just like a big deal in our household. So 
that is one thing that I completely like. I'm not a fan now, but I laugh at your stuff, like especially this past week when you. <laughs> oh my god, I laughed so hard when you put up. I can't remember if it was on one of your stories or one of your posts where the ring was literally like coming up, and you're like, "It's real to me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real to me, man. <laughs> well, first of all, shout out because North Carolina is the mecca of professional wrestling in the United States, so you oh, you were oh, really okay. in the middle of that, you know. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Well, I, I was just gonna say too, you know, if you go to our NHL team, the Carolina Hurricanes in Raleigh. What's the game? If you go to oh, their games, yeah. yeah, if you go to the games, Ric Flair will come up on the screen and do his, woo, you know. Yeah. And that's uh, a my, big part of the games is him coming up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. You guys were all about the regality of it all, like the rose yeah. and all yeah. that stuff. I oh, went yeah. to a Hurricanes game, I think, the day after Thanksgiving, like 2018, I think. Oh, right? okay. My ex-girlfriend's family is out there now. They're from, uh -huh. they're from Brooklyn. We live out there now. They're like, hey, we're bored. Hockey? You're like. The Islanders aren't here. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? but it was a, it was a cool experience. It really was. Yeah, but the thing about wrestling and all the spectacle of it all, it's I tell people they say, "Hey, Flobo, you know you you're a smart guy. Why do you watch that stuff?" And I go, "It's theater and around." We give Shakespeare a lot of credit, and rightfully so. But back then, Shakespeare wrote for everybody. He wrote for the unwashed masses and the really washed masses. And that's what wrestling yeah. is. It's yeah. You're watching perform Cirque du Soleil, watching performance 360 degrees, your favorite characters. And who doesn't want to walk into work and have pyro go off? You know, like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really entertaining. I think before we get to our rapid fire questions, because I think this always intrigues us, and I know that you have talked a lot about it, but I want to specifically delve into it, that I think we're always intrigued by someone who is as positive as you when it comes to mindset. Yeah. And do you have anything that you can pinpoint or talk about when it comes to overcoming like fear or scarcity mentality, especially because we've talked a lot about how you've overcome certain situations like, you know, near death and then the yeah. COVID and pivoting, but anything that you can pinpoint of how you are able to have that mindset or maybe how you change a certain mindset, any recommendations? When I started for me personally, and this won't work for everyone, but for me personally, I use, you guys can see me. If you guys are on the audio, I have a bunch of superheroes behind me. I was a big fan of Green Lantern because Green Lantern is a superhero that runs on willpower. And so when I was trying to do my weight loss thing, I was like, well, here is a actual comic book character that runs a willpower. Why not me? What I've learned for mentality's sake is that treat your mental injuries like physical injuries. If you are just tired, exhausted, you hate life, you're in a funk, Take a day, treat it like a strained muscle. Don't try to push through if you can't. I always say dig deep if you can, but don't like make it worse. I always look at the problems I have. I say it out loud and I go, how do I win? <laughs> hey, look, I have $50 in my bank account. My car notes 400. Fine. How do I win? <laughs> and that lets you go, okay, well, let me see if I can call my mom, see if I can pay the loan. Let me like switch over accounts. Let me sell this. I don't know, whatever. Same thing with the comedy thing. You know, I had a plan of going outside the world say stay inside we're doing the opposite of pokemon go stay inside how do i win <laughs> and that became the podcast network that became the esports thing i've learned so much work of what i can do how much money i can make by sitting in my chair because i didn't have an option that's how i look at things but i do think above all you got to check in with yourself i am not a meditation person 
Props if you are. I haven't unlocked that yet, but I always get up in the morning and I'm grateful what I'm grateful for. I know what I can contribute. And if I go, I can't do it today, I'm going to, you know, go for a walk. I'm going to check out a new restaurant. I'm going to supersize it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go to the beach. <laughs> yeah. 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 And those positive thoughts first thing in the morning can set your day. If you can, yeah. If you can have a positive thought as opposed to that one you wake up, maybe where you're just bummed. Yeah. It can really set a tone for the day. Like an intention. Yeah. yeah. I love, I just wrote it down. I love, mm-hmm. how do I win? I love that. I know. I love that too. Yeah. And I love the idea of th- treating, I never thought of it exactly that way, treating your mental injuries like as you a physical would your, one. As a physical one. Because that makes sense. Your it physical does. ones, you, you totally, oh, sit down, rest, prop your leg up. You know, everybody says, uh, put a band aid on that, whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They exactly. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> we treated that. I'm depressed. I'll walk it off. Wait, what? I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm from that era. Yeah. Just walk it off. I need a good meal. That was, yeah. a, that was a way to treat any kind of mental strain. I love that. Meal. I knew you'd have a good answer. Yeah. I knew that you would. Nice. Oh, Thank you. Okay. So rapid fire and they're never rapid fire. So don't feel pressure here. Oh, I love all the pressure. <laughs> but is it this or that? And they're, yeah. we tried to hear them towards you. The, okay. the, I always say this is kind of my Jimmy Kimmel moment. Or I feel like a late night talk show host when it's rapid fire, top 10. I Here wish I brought go. a clip. Did I bring a clip? <laughs> <laughs> you want to lead? I'll lead. New York or LA? Oh! <laughs> you knew that trick, was coming. Trick question. Brooklyn's my answer. Oh. <laughs> my entire adult life, I've been in Los Angeles, but I'm a Brooklyn kid at heart. I always be. I got to give her that. But I do with the weather. I want the LA weather. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. I mean, look, we know what this is, but I feel like we have to do it just because. Yeah. Yankees are Mets. Matt, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the day I wear a Yankee hat, I, I was actually I told my friend about that. He was like, hey, what if the Yankees paid you $3 million? I go, I will turn it down and then cry afterwards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Mets, baby. <laughs> hey, and as a big baseball fan, what was the vibe like out in LA this week with Vin Scully? Passing oh, away. you know what it was? I feel like everyone was related to Vin because Vin, Vin was in Brooklyn. It came out here, even uh-huh. non sports fans, uh, other teams came out. The Galaxy LAFC, you're all honoring the legend because for a lot of people, he was the voice of baseball. There's people today who are using that as an influence. Vin's delivery, Vin's transitions. It was just, it was great to see that love come out. From. Oh, yeah. What a great voice. <laughs> Indeed. We wanted to take a pause for a second to tell you once again about how much we love Sugar Wish. If you're a regular listener, Sugar Wish isn't new to you. You already know how much we adore the fact that we count on Sugar Wish to send gifts to people. Why? Because it's easy. Yes. It's a time saver. Yes. You know the recipient is going to love it because they choose what they want. That's right. And it's not a gift that's going to take up space because it's edible. Yes. What's not to love? You forgot something. What's that? You save money because we have a code to share with our listeners. Oh my gosh, that's right. Use code Betty White. That's all caps, one word, Betty White, to save $7 off your gift to someone. We also have the link in the show notes. Yep. Whether you're gifting someone candy, snacks, tea, coffee, wine, or some dog treats to one lucky pup, that code works to save. Sugar Wish always saves the day. Moving right along, sleep in or get up early. 
Get up early. You can always nap later or skip right, later. Right, you know? right. Look, my dad was very six a.m. The morning's half over. But the way I see it, I'd rather get up at five or or six and do two things and then take a rest at nine while the world is waking up. Because once they sleep in the ten, I feel like the day's done. I agree. And it's hard to get moving. Lethargicness can really slip in that way, you know. But I like what you're saying. I like a mid-morning break after I've done some things. Just for full disclosure, like we're recording this at 10 a.m. I got up this morning. I went grocery shopping. I went for a walk. I watched some of my old videos, commented on YouTube, and then hopped on today. <laughs> That's how we are. Yeah. yeah. That's how we uh-huh. are. Yeah. Okay. So this one, I will tell you, and, and I'm really curious now after the conversation that we've had, I feel like this comes up again because Jerry's a big comedy fan and I'm a big fan of one of these people. And I feel like this is a debate in the comedy sector. It's like a right answer question, isn't it? So I don't know what the answer is going to be because I think people lean one way or the other, but I think it's very controversial in the comedy world. So I'm curious as to how you're going to answer. Richard Pryor or Dave Chappelle? Oh, dang. And then when you answer, tell me why. Hmm. They're very similar, though. That's, that's I know. Funny. I think there's big arguments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way. I'm going to say Chappelle, but I understand why it's controversial. Um, only I because it's a generational thing. See, it's, yeah. yeah. Richard Pryor and I are kind of in the same era as far not to compare. I'm not saying I'm Richard Pryor at all. But like, <laughs> there's a part where we're not as confident with our material and we're taking a little bit of a break. And if you remember, that N-word is crazy came from that. He took exile, went to, went to San Francisco and got a, his new persona, which became the version of him everyone knows. So I respect yeah. the heck out of that. But up until recent controversies with, with Chappelle, there was a, an approach to writing that many comics don't do. I don't want to say words like brave or courageous because I know I'll get dragged for that. But I would say his bit, for example, on Emmett Till was 20 minutes of a serious incident that ended yeah. in a joke, which is a challenge that most comics don't even try. Yeah. So I understand maybe people have their opinions about them, but it's from a writing standpoint, when we got the Mark Twain prize, I totally saw that because there is a balance of satire you have to walk. And yeah. I'll leave it at that. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and, and yet there are other schools of thought who say there wouldn't be a Dave Chappelle without Richard Pryor. That's um, true as well. But so, yeah. I always hesitate for things like that in entertainment, I know. in sport. Because if you do that, then we'll always want to say the best basketball players. I know. Or Patrick Johnson. Or, uh, I was totally thinking basketball too because they love to debate those. you know, And it's a little bit of apples and oranges in a way, even though they're sort of similar. But oh, that yeah. era with prior opening those doors, yeah, Chappelle never could have done his thing. Or Bill Russell hadn't revolutionized the NBA. Oh yeah, we never had any of these guys like like Jordan or LeBron, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, well, anyway, the comics okay. doing the movies change with prior too. The the yeah. kind of yeah. movies that comedians do. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But on with the fun stuff: Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan. Ah, that's also hard. <laughs> so okay, I got into wrestling in 1993, and I lived in New York, so I uh-huh. was a WWF guy. So by then, I wasn't a Hulkamaniac because Hulk had already left. To me, Hulk would be the guy from Thunder in Paradise. Uh, if you're talking oh about <laughs> but when it comes down to the influence it has to be flair and even though he wrestled last weekend 
I don't know why he did. <laughs> Even though he wrestled at 73 last weekend, uh, oh everyone remembers the robes, and we still woo at things. And I have yeah. a pair. You can look this up online if you guys don't know what this is. Damian Lillard, the basketball player, has Ric Flair editions of his shoes, and Ric Flair dripped the rap song, and he's contributed oh. so much to many cultures that you can't deny Ric Flair. Okay. Oh <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, so like number six, taking a jog or walk, or relaxing in a hammock. I'm definitely afraid of hammocks, so <laughs> I will. <laughs> I don't like to jog, but I've done that way more to be like, okay, flat ground, I can work with this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that, and let's. You can't get enough sports. Lakers or Clippers? <sighs> Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> so much like the Mets, I'm going to go with the Clippers here. LA is a Lakers town. I would say of all the yep. sports that, that maybe even Dodgers, I would say the Lakers are the team, but as somebody came in with no dog in the fight and the Clippers had no fan base, they bent over backwards to get you to go to games. Like I went yeah. to a game where I was on the floor for like $15. <laughs> and wow. So to me, I'm easily bought when it comes to tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go Clippers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's you. Oh, uh, the next one's me. Public transportation or owning a car? Because you know, owning a car. Owning a, own a car. I, I okay. was I was public transportation in the first eighteen years of my life. In fact, I didn't even want to drive because I, I was in New York, baby. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> is is do you get used to that, or how do you? True. And then my first year in college, I was in Saint Augustine, Florida, and <laughs> and everything. This whole country has so much space. Yeah. And now I'll go. I'll drive. I made a rule to myself: don't complain about parking, don't complain about gas. <laughs> you can just walk or take the bus. If gas is ten dollars a gallon, you gotta pay, right? Yeah. Uh, so I love my car. I'm a DJ, so I've got so many yeah. hours in my vehicle mm -hmm. now that yeah. it's like yeah. me. I call my car Drake because. I have a Ford Edge, and it was assembled in Canada, so I call it. I call it Drake. <laughs> Me and Drake have been high fiving each other for a long time, and so yeah, I can't. I can't imagine transport. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think that was supposed to be me, but whatever. That's all right. Okay, rolling right along. Yeah. So this one is interesting since he came up. You know this one, Leno or Letterman. Leno. Letterman was great. Top 10 was something I liked, but as a nerd I am with late night talk shows, because that is a dream of mine, reading The Late Shift and even The War for Late Night, Letterman never had confidence in himself. It was always like, was that good? And a lot of people yeah. who didn't work with Letterman would say, yeah, he was a genius, but he's always didn't think that we can, we were funny. He didn't think he was funny. Whereas Leno never had that problem. He was the Doritos guy. He was he was the the car shop guy, and he's always cool. And even though his jokes are cheesy, Leno was an influence. So, uh, and in a sense too, they were so different though. In a way, you could get it was you're getting totally different things from either one of them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about moving the art form. Letterman did that way better. And this is why Kimmel is a big Letterman fan because he did things that were off the plate, outside the plate, back to my analogy. But yeah. you know, sometimes I want a little fastball action. I want a little high heat. And that's what Leno <laughs> yeah. had. Yeah. yeah. And for me too, I hate not to even mention Conan O'Brien. I've become such a big fan of his, especially with his podcast. Mm -hmm. I just think he's just, his comedy, it really just gets i get it you know his comic. oh yeah i saw yeah. him live when he did comic con and he uh -huh. for a couple oh. years and that was like the event going to see conan live yeah seeing him live is different than seeing him on tv same with craig ferguson i didn't think craig ferguson show was all that but yeah. i saw it live and i go oh this guy is on another level 
Oh. This guy is really good. Yeah. And, and it's kind of a hard sell. It's like, oh, really? The guy who had the robot friend? Uh. I know. <laughs> yeah. But it was so fun to see him. Like, he doesn't take notes. He reads the notes, rips everything up, and everything's in the moment while still keeping in the information he got from the network. And wow. <laughs> everyone else. And yeah, genius. Okay. okay. Well, the first questions are only scratching the surface of the deep dive we're going to take on this last one here. We save the best for last. Ketchup or mustard? <laughs> I can't ask any qualifying questions, right? Because I, I like horseradish know. mustard. If it makes my nose burn, that's the good stuff. I can't do oh, that. Yeah. I can't do it. But usually, if, that's, if it's just ketchup or mustard on a hot dog or something, I am a ketchup person. I get booed. I know. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Jerry yeah. thinks that that really tells about what kind of person you are. But then I always say, well, what kind of person does that make him? He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm bougie is what he's saying. French is, oh, no. Horseradish mustard in a glass jar. Please pile it on. Jerry <laughs> uh, likes the fancy mustards, too. I always call it the weird mustard. And she, I'll say yeah. on the grocery <laughs> list, I put weird mustard. She, she, yeah, she likes that weird. <laughs> <laughs> If it's not a glowing bright yellow, yeah. Weird. Oh, yellow right. yeah. When I go to a ballpark though, I'm definitely team pretzel. So I don't I don't even touch either. I just get the pretzel and a beer and I'm good to go. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think that's how we are too. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so the most important question for real that we ask everyone is what does a life well lived mean to you? You know, that's something that's changed for me. I, for the longest time, I was pushing legacy, you know? I was like, I want my name on things. I'm going to call up my college and get a plaque named after me. I want a park mm -hmm. bench named after me. I want the Flobo School for the Performing Arts, which is really <laughs> dumb. But the more post-pandemic I go is something I like to call the good tired. You know, doing these shows and these esport things and writing these books, I'm putting in 12-hour, 14-hour days, and I am exhausted at the end of the day. But I love every moment of it. And I think that is a different kind of tire than working in a warehouse or selling hand sanitizer or delivering groceries <laughs> with two college degrees. That to me is a life work. Because when I go on vacation, I feel like I earned it, but I earned it. And when I'm the thing that I'm working on, I know what the purpose is. I know how I'm contributing to it, as opposed to saying, where's my expense reports? Thank you for the expense reports. The end. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. the good tired to me. If you find a job or a passion and get that good tired, I don't believe in that whole, you know, find something you love, you never work a day in your life. I work every day and things yeah. hurt. And I'm at the age I wake up wrong <laughs> and I go, what's hurting yeah. me today? But the good tired is what I want. Oh, I love ah, that. The good tired, I love that's that. That's good. Yeah, that's wonderful. God, you got some nuggets. So how do I win? How do I win? And the good tired. The good tired. Yeah. Oh, nuggets, mm -hmm. nuggets. Mm -hmm. Oh, Flomo, this was so great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. Okay, yeah. so of course we're going to link to your specials. We'll link to your book so that everyone can know how to get that. I got a question. Yeah. <laughs> Tell what question. In 2022, what would be the next honor adventure? That's a good question. That is a good one. We, I do have awards. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think we have a word of the year. And every year it's sort of been like, okay, what's our word of the year? Let's pick it. You know, <laughs> but this year it was really, I don't know. Again, it's sort of like post COVID. Like I think things mean more. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's sort of that we definitely didn't have a near death experience, but I feel like it was an awakening. And I think that whole time period, not to get political, but for many reasons was trying. 
And you have to get political. The whole thing. I, okay, look, I did get political. All right. The it whole was thing is political. Reasons. Yeah. I thought I was going to leave the U.S. I thought I was going to move somewhere else. If some things didn't change, things still need to change, or I'm going to leave. True. But I'm going to leave. We're going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know where you land. So come with you. Yeah, yeah. The Caribbean somewhere. <laughs> Tell us what island you're from. We might end up there. Barbados, um, come through. <laughs> okay. But I think you know our word this year was abundance, and. For us, it's always about, again, gratitude and being grateful for the abundance that life creates and through experiences. And I think the next adventure, I'd say for me, is always just, you know, whatever that adventure presents, it's just taking it in and sort of writing it and just appreciating for whatever it is. So I don't know what the adventure is Mm -hmm. per se. I think for me, it's just whatever abundance, whatever it creates or whatever it is. I just hope that I appreciate the abundance that comes from it. And then I hope I can recognize the abundance that comes from it. I think I keep having to remind myself and I always say, okay, abundance, abundance. And when I have that, I have a lot of scarcity mentality, fear. And that's why I'm always trying to recognize the mindset that people have that I respect like you Mm -hmm. who have, you know, a positive outlook on things. And I'm trying to always change that. I think we both mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Oh yeah. And no so doubt. I will always say, okay, what abundance do we have in our life? What mm-hmm. can we be really grateful for? So I think for us, everything is an adventure, good, yeah. bad, ugly. And so I think like what you said, how do I win? You know, for example, this conversation for me is an adventure. It's like, okay, this hour spent was a really great adventure. What abundance came from it? Well, what the abundance that came from it are these nuggets that I'm going to take from it (laughs) and apply to our life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we're not so conventional when when thinking adventure, because your mind goes to like, oh, you got to travel in something to somewhere. But yeah, yeah, it is more the day to day and and the mind frame you approach it with. I think that's where she was kind of, yeah. I'm on board with that. Totally. I, yeah, I will sure. tell you from a travel standpoint, we're trying to do more in our own state. We, I don't think we've appreciated our own state as much. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So cool. I think we're trying to be tourists in our own state, which is weird because during COVID we did our own town and area, but we're really trying to learn. Our state is really big and wide. Things to offer. And then I think when you travel places, you, you end up doing these things like, oh, we had a fun time at that pub or that restaurant. And you go, yeah, we got all that stuff back home. We're in our backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. The, yeah. It's like, oh, they have a so, grocery store here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. You, if you come to North Carolina again, you have to tell us so that we absolutely. can have an adventure with you in person. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 yeah indeed. Well, tell our <laughs> listeners where they can find you and we will link it in the show notes. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can find me. But let's see if we can get this condensed. So I'm available at Flobo Boys. That's F-L-O-B-O-B-O-Y-C-E on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Flobito at Instagram. That's the main account. Flobito.com, F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. My book, Graduation Day, where I talk about how I almost killed myself on a motorcycle or how I went to Italy to save my business is available at Amazon as well. It's called Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World. And I have a Patreon. If you want to see more content, patreon.com slash boys.
Wow. Wow. We're going to have to read your book now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so special, full circle. I think we're so grateful that you were here. Oh, we need to come back around to the first. Please. We did. Yeah. Yeah, We're here. So that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. This is a little bit of departure for us, too, having a stand up comedian, (laughs) wrestling. (laughs) Yeah. Scott. Well, hopefully, come back. back. Yeah, we would love to have you back. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, my, my, what do we think of that? I mean, that was just another wonderful experience. That was so special. I was so excited and also very intimidated for him to come on. I mean, he's such a nice guy and I knew that it was going to be a wonderful experience, but I was very intimidated because, you know, he gives, if you follow him on Instagram, he gives these podcast tips and he's just so knowledgeable. And like you heard him say, he's done all this editing and look, when you talk to him, he's not intimidating, but I was just nervous. Yeah, you know? no, yeah, not at all. And we had had experience from being on his show, but I know what you're saying when you read the bio and he just, <laughs> it's loud and it's a little bit mind boggling. You're going from wrestling to baseball to star trek to stand up comedy to and I'm like, oh yeah well, where do we where do we start this he's guy very is knowledgeable yeah which is definitely kind of a departure for us to get he's a very unique guy yeah very yeah. unique very knowledgeable very uh-huh. skillful you know something that jerry and i <laughs> i don't know if it's a skill or what it is but something that jerry and i's family have often said about us is that we always land on our feet. (laughs) And I was thinking about that as a positive while he was talking about how he pivoted. I thought, you know, I guess there's something to be said about being in common with Flobo is that we do always land on our feet. I said this in the podcast that I do have fear about things that I'm working on, like trying to get rid of that fear based Mm -hmm. mentality. Yeah. But you know, we do land on our feet. I love the nuggets we picked up from him. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. And, but I think what's fun when you talk to somebody like that is you see one thing on the outside, these certain accomplishments, but when you talk to him, you sort of understand that like us, he's probably overcome a lot of self-doubt and he's landed on his feet plenty of times too. And Mm -hmm. you go, Oh, okay. He's just, he's just another guy really. And he's just, like us, but he's had some accomplishments in some really interesting areas. Yeah. And yeah, just, but a nice guy and pleasant guy to talk to. And man, don't you want to know somebody like that if you do what we do? Yeah. I can't wait to read his book. I can't wait to dive in more. And we really encourage you to do the same. I highly encourage you to listen to his stand up. Jerry's going to listen to it as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. Especially being the comedy lover you are. Jer. Oh, sure. Gosh. Sure. Yeah. I, I, so um, funny. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is my next stop on my comedy journey is listening to Flavor Voice. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, if you know someone who you think would enjoy this episode, needs a motivating conversation from Flobo or needs some laughter in their life, please share it with and them. Who doesn't? Right. Mm-hmm. And if this episode resonated with you, please screenshot it, share it on social media, tag us at Arner Adventures or tag Flobo. And we're going to list all of the ways that you can get in touch with him and follow him down in the show notes. As always, you can find us at arneradventures.com, on Instagram at arneradventures, also linked in the show notes. So until next time, enjoy the journey that you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Bye. Bye.